G'day guys, today we've got a special episode which is a masterclass from Katie Staniforth who's a former childhood teacher turned event extraordinaire and current senior event director at Cricket Australia. Katie's experience spans Super Rugby, the London 2012 Olympics, the NRL, ICC T20 World Cup and now Cricket Australia. In her role at CA, she works with all the internal teams, the state and territory associations, and the venues to put on international test, ODI, and T20 cricket in Australia. In other words, she's part of the glue that pulls the whole match together. This episode is a recording of the masterclass that Katie gave exclusive to the SportsRate community. If you want a taste for the events and content only available to members, this is it. This particular masterclass is as comprehensive as they get, and inside you'll learn how Cricket Australia planned for international cricket events, uh, the organisational structure of an events operations team, project plans, frameworks and ways of working, and what happens in planning meetings with ticketing, sponsors, hospitality, you name it. In the community masterclasses, we go deeper with all our guests and find out more about how they do their job, what exactly is involved, plus you get to ask any of your burning questions and grow your connections with our guests all so that you can prepare yourself to work in the industry. These all live in the Resource Hub, which is like Netflix for the sports industry, and here you'll find over 50 hours of premium content and resources to choose from. If you're wondering why SportsGrade members have such success finding jobs at the biggest organizations in sport, it's because of this content and connections. If you like what you're hearing, you can join over 550 members in the SportsGrade community at our website, at sportsgrad.com.au slash community. Enjoy. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Show Podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and joining me is the citizen, Reuben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and each week we learn how people made it in sports and tease out their career decisions, their work habits, skills and everything they do that makes them great. All so that you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Rubes, it is fantastic to see you and I call you the citizen because I've seen what you've been up to over in the UK and I would love to hear all about it. And I'm sure those listening in would love to hear what you've been up to as well. But uh, it's good to see you, mate. G'day, Ryan. It's, uh, I'm doing very well, thank you. I feel a long way away from you at the moment, so missing Melbourne and the team back home. People often wonder like how we get our guests on the podcast or how we know certain people. The podcast has been the greatest introduction to people in the sports industry ever and so when we in when we interviewed Sunil Menon from Melbourne City Football Club and I told him hey I'm heading to the UK he said oh if you're going up to Manchester let me connect you in with our people up there so he's hooked me up with their community team and their community team has put me on a tour of Etihad Stadium so yesterday I caught the train up to Manchester and uh, had one of the most immersive stadium experiences I've ever had in my life, I reckon. And um, at the start of the tour, they asked, all right, what club does everybody go for? 
and I uh, I didn't have the guts to say I went for Chelsea, so I just kind of kept to myself a bit. Um, but it was it was phenomenal. Like the the setup that they've got there is is absolutely incredible. And um, one of the things that really stood out was the influence that Pep Guardiola had had on the fittings and the structure of what goes on in the change rooms. For example, they sit in a circle because everybody wants to be able to see each other and no one gets to choose their locker. Pep chooses who sits next to who, so there's no clicks forming. And um, another thing, Pep's got his own match day office where he invites the opposition coach over for a glass of wine after every single match. And he's got one picture on the one picture on the wall of um, uh, Cruyff, his, uh, his idol growing up, his coaching mentor. And uh, before a game, he looks at this picture of Cruyff and, and uh, gets inspired. So he got all the players to do exactly the same thing. He gave everybody a picture frame and said, go and fill it with something that gets you up and about and makes you inspired to play football. And um, he then hung it on this wall just before they get to the race to go out. And they've got a curtain over the top of it. So when you do the tour and you walk through there, it's covered by a curtain. And it only ever gets opened up on a match day because it's very personal to the players. I don't want anyone else to see it. But for the players, it's the last thing that they see before they run out onto the pitch. So in contrast, um, the opposition change rooms are very basic, very boring, and they've done that by design because they don't, they don't want to give them any sort of advantage. So uh, they're doing great things up in Man City, and you can see why they are so successful. So I'm here in London for two weeks, and the first week has just been – well, both weeks are catch-ups galore – so um, at the start of this week, I met up with Chris Dobson, who's one of the founders of the Millar Group, which is a group of Australians working in sport in London. And um, he was a great person to chat with and explain how their, their group had form and formed. Uh, the next day, I got a tour of Wembley, thanks to our friends at Global Institute of Sport, which was all set up for Harry Styles. So um, I'll have to come back when that's set up for a football game at some point in time. But then Man City yesterday... Today, uh, I've got a connection out at the ECB who's going to show me around Lord. So I'll get to see the pitch before I head to the match next week. And then again, like the, the, the podcast has pulled through again. Tomorrow morning, I'm having coffee with uh, Melissa Lawton from Sale GP, who was on, on the show earlier this year. So funnily enough, she actually lives in the same suburb that I'm staying. So when she suggested a cafe... I uh, looked it up. It was 500 metres from the house we're in. So I was like, you beauty, how, how good is this? So, yeah, a lot going on. Brilliant, mate. Well, today is a, is a super cool episode and uh, it's great to hear that you're, you're going well overseas in the UK. So it's, uh, it's brilliant to hear. Now, if you haven't already, follow us on LinkedIn. And if you want to connect with us and over 550 other people working in sport, become a member of the Sports Grade community. Rubes, talking about this community gets me up and about. I must say there's a lot happening at the moment. Shed a bit of light as to some of the wins that have been happening in the community as of late. Well, Ryan, the uh, the FIFA Women's World Cup continues to uh, recruit sports grad members. And a couple of the latest, uh, Zach Davis-Hancock, he's got a job in or as a ticketing resolution assistant. So well done to you, Zach. Great friend of sports grad up in Brisbane. Tanya Agarwal has got a job as Assistant Workforce Coordinator. So another one in and amongst the action for the, the tournament coming up. And uh, Ebony Flanagan, she's got a job at O2 Events as an Event Coordinator. So uh, well done to you, Ebony. She's been doing a lot of great things and a lot of great different roles. 
this year. So um, another win for you there. But if you want to join the community, if you want to see some wins for yourself, make sure you get around the community and head to our website, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash community to get involved. Or if you want to just stay up to date with everything that's going on in the community uh, and in Sportsgrad, then subscribe to our newsletter, sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter. And one more thing, we've got our job fair coming up. So Unisport Australia are jumping on uh, next week to chat about all their roles in market at the moment. So we've done these in the past with the T20 World Cup. We did one in the past with the FIFA Women's World Cup. Unisport Australia are up next. So if you want to chat to the people hiring in sport, this is a place to do it. Brilliant, mate. Thank you for that. And I must say, those who are a member at the moment, get along to that job fair with Unisport next week, this week, sorry. Um, very, very exciting. And if you're not a member, absolutely join. It's free for your first month. If you want to come in and have a look, um, it's going to be fantastic with Unisport this week, talking about some of the roles coming up with them. But in the meantime, enjoy this special masterclass from Katie Staniforth. There's a reason Deakin's sports management course attracts the greatest talent the nation has to offer. Because when you join the longest running sports management course in Australia, you'll gain access to unique opportunities with leading clubs and organisations. Their partnerships with the Geelong Footy Club, Deakin Melbourne Boomers and Nepal Victoria and multiple elite industry partners will open the door to exciting placement experiences that connect you with the best athletes, managers and administrators in sport. Help shape the future of the sports industry, secure your part in the golden decade of sport. Hi everyone, uh, obviously thanks so much for joining in tonight um, and obviously to the guys at Sportsgrad for actually inviting me to chat to you all. So tonight I will talk to you guys about uh, event operations in sport but focusing on obviously how Cricket Australia delivered an Ashes test series. Um, tonight's agenda, uh, just a quick run through, I'll take you through my current role, um, my background just to so you get a bit of insight as to how I've ended up where I am today. Um, I'm going to look at the what and how of event operations, who we engage with, okay, who are our main touch points, who we work with to pull the match together. Um, I'll break down into a bit of detail of what actually goes into the planning and then the end result, um, a bit of a snippet of a game day and what it looks like. So originally, I was actually targeting this to be about an Ashes match, but uh, honestly, after going through this and pulling this all together, it is the exact same process um, we actually go through for every international game, whether it be men's or women's. Um, it's just that the Ashes overlay and um, what it brings has a lot more content um, and it's on a bigger scale, but it's still the same process step by step um, compared to some of our other seasons. Uh, it is the ultimate year, as Ryan said. Pretty excited. This is my first Ashes year and we get both the men's and women's Ashes uh, series out here this year. Plus we've got Sri Lanka for a men's series in the T20s and uh, New Zealand also here this summer for an ODI series um, still ahead. So it's a pretty big summer. Um, uh, before I wrap it up, I'll just give you some of my top tips I've learnt um, throughout my time in sport uh, and then we can have some time for questions. Okay. Let's get going. Uh, firstly, just want a quick reminder, quick note for everyone that this webinar no way actually represents Cricket Australia. I'm here purely for educational purposes and has no relation to them, although we are talking about what I do for them. 
Okay, so my current role is actually um, event director for South Australia and West Australia. So although I'm based in Sydney, um, my role entails leading operational event delivery for international cricket matches, both men's and women's, um, over in Adelaide and Perth. Um, I work closely with all our stakeholders, as Ryan mentioned, work closely with him and his time in the commercial partnerships team to deliver, to deliver their requirements while focusing on the event as a whole for the business from um, start to end. In other words, I deliver and execute events pretty much. How I do it, uh, we'll go through a bit of that today, but I develop event plans by working with all these functional areas, which I'll talk about today, um, on all their operational and contractual requirements, and I liaise and run point with the venues in my markets. So if I refer to markets tonight, it's me in Perth and Adelaide. Um, Pretty much a quick summary is when people roll into site on a venue, I need to make sure on a bump in day, if they turn up five days out, everything they need is ready for them to come in and start setting up, getting ready to do their job. So I'm that main touch point with a lot of people with the venue. If you hear me refer to a um, day minus two or day minus one, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, it is literally, let's say if I say day minus three is three days out um, when bump in begins. My background, just really quickly, how I've ended up to where I am today. Um, I actually started out as a preschool teacher, believe it or not. I was studying early childhood. It was something I always thought I wanted to do after school between that and sport. Um, didn't last very long. I've always had a passion for sport. I pulled out after one year of uni studying early childhood. Um, I loved playing it. I loved watching it. I grew up with four older brothers. My Younger years were getting dragged around watching them, so it was very ingrained um, in me. I ended up taking a bit of a leap after studying um, uh, sports marketing. I moved over to Perth to try and crack into the sporting industry. So my first job, I ended up at the Western Force, which is a rugby union team over there. I was 21 and I'd landed a role as a membership um, officer in the membership team over there. Uh, after two years, I jumped into the partnerships team at the Western Force, but then I got the itchy feet, so to speak, and wanted to do the London working visa when it was easy before COVID times um, and made a leap uh, over there. Uh, obviously, I like to move a little bit uh, when I was younger. I went with the goal of um, wanting to crack into the London Olympics. It was it's always been a goal to work on an event like that. Um, and I literally landed in London and the next day had an email about going for an interview and got a job with them the following week. Um, I started in an operational readiness coordinator role in my time at the Olympics um, in the fit out and reinstatement. Um, this was pretty much overseeing access control um, for any contractors coming into site in the pre-games period. So the bump in and the build of a lot of the venues. So approving people to go on site and do their works to complete the venues and the, get them ready to be operational. After a couple of months in that role, I moved in to um, be responsible for what we'd call the VIC at an Olympic Games. Um, majority of the Olympic Games do have these. Um, it's a venue and infrastructure command centre. There's lots of them um, uh, within the Olympics, these command centres, and it reports into a MOC, a main operations centre. So what I was doing was setting up this centre for everybody. It was where all site management teams on venues would report in every day in the lead up to the Olympics, um, where they could request um, extra expenditure approvals, uh, was for issue resolution and escalation for anything happening out on site. Um, in the 
Command Centre for the venue and infrastructure team. We had representatives from our senior site management team, energy, the gas and water teams, um, broadcasts, contracts management. Um, when I say that if we need to uh, um, approve extra expend expenditures, we were having a few issues. So let's just so you know exactly what they would actually call in for. There was a few issues at one of the venues because as most people are aware, London is a very rainy city. Um, the rain was causing havoc on a few of our venues in terms of being behind building grandstands at the rowing venues and the like. And the people on site would call in um, and ask for extra money because they need to bring in more contractors to be able to complete the build on time to be ready for the Olympics games. So um, luckily though, I wasn't stuck in there during games times. We all rotated shifts throughout there. So I was actually able to be um, extra hands on site for any of the site managers three days a week um, at any venue that needed help. So it was actually pretty cool. Um, got to visit and see a lot of sports at the Olympics. I jumped back home um, after that and was at the Rabbitohs for five years in various roles, but that's where I finally got into what I've always known I've wanted to do, match operations. Um, I had five years there and then made, um, made the move to cricket. I've been contracting for three years. I have done a year in New South Wales as the cricket event director doing a maternity contract, a year down in Melbourne doing Perth and Adelaide from Melbourne, a year back in Sydney doing the event director for New South Wales, and then have finally got a permanent contract doing the role I'm doing now, go, um, doing Perth and Adelaide again. Um, so yeah, that is how I've ended up where I am today. Right, let's get into it. What do we do in event operations? Um, I'm going to go into a lot more detail, but I just wanted to give you probably an um, overview of what it takes to pull together an international event and um, what is involved and what sporting event operations teams do. The key part, which is pretty obvious, is event planning and delivery. In event operations, we're, um, we're responsible for, as described earlier, driving operational planning. We're responsible for coordinating and integrating all operations and what we like to call functional areas within the, in the business, the state and territories in each of our markets and our venues in our markets. How I like to sort of sum it up is that we are the glue that pulls it all and sticks it together for everybody. Um, venues, this is one of our core relationships and our key touch points. Um, it's one of the biggest parts of my role is our venue relationships and working with the venues. Um, it's important to nurture these venues. We work collaboratively all year round with them um, to make sure we deliver seamless events um, for anyone attending. And functional areas. Um, you're going to hear me use this word a bit tonight. Um, it is a key part of Cricket Australia. I'm going to explain um, each of these areas soon. But in the event operations team at Cricket Australia, we are one of the few business units that actually has touch points with nearly the entire business. Um, Within our teams, we actually appoint, appoint leads to work with each of these functional areas. So there's one point of contact and we sort of strategically group and align them, which I'll take you through. And then the fun stuff, the seasonal projects, the long-term, short-term, continuous, it could be new seasonal ones. Um, we simply relook at everything to improve our processes and procedures every year. Um, we divide it amongst our events team, which I'll take you through the events team soon. Um, and these sort of projects could be our project plan for the following year, um, our event management tools and systems, what we're doing for uniforms, uh, temporary infrastructure requirements for the season ahead, our budgets, um, all our event documentation, which you'll see a snippet of uh, tonight. Um, there is a lot of paperwork um, uh, in our roles. So the how. Um, 
The first steps, I have touched on some of them. Firstly, in a season for us, before we even get to planning for a match, um, we wind down from the season before. Um, during this time, we conduct and compile all our um, seasonal debriefs with the functional areas, our venues, any other stakeholders we work with. And then we turn to start looking at the season ahead and develop a strategy for the season ahead. We look at all our key learnings um, and apply them to our objectives for the summer ahead. The people, um, our people are key. Um, the people we work with, any touch point, our teams direct. We always wanna focus on our people and growth opportunities, our wellbeing, um, the resourcing throughout the season and any event delivery team integration opportunities within the business. We always wanna empower our people, ensure they know, the, know their purpose and what an integral role they play in ensuring we deliver amazing and operationally successful events for, the, for Cricket Australia. Um, I've mentioned resourcing. Our season changes uh, every year. We don't have set matches in the same states every year. So we always need to look at um, where the matches are. Do we have gaps? Do the current teams, um, can, they manage, can they manage the amount of content they've got this summer? And we look at where we may need to help out or leapfrog and go into other markets to help out. Um, so yeah, it's different every year. So although I might be doing Perth and Adelaide, um, if I need to, I'll be ducking across and helping out another market if there is a gap um, and they've got matches on at the same time. And then we look at our tools. This is um, just before we get into that nitty gritty, we look at how um, the tools uh, the tools we use that can assist us plan and prepare for the season ahead. We look at our delivery teams um, in each market. We look at our functional areas, who's going to represent and be part of our planning process. Um, we create season dashboards, um, develop that season project plan. We look at our event management system, a system online we call Teddy, um, uh, which everyone logs there, whether it's deliveries, attendance at match, um, daily reports, uh, money can't buy experiences for approvals, uh, parking requests. Yeah, so it's pretty much an online system that captures everything. So for us in the event director role, we can pull reports. So we look at that system every year and how we can improve it. Um, our event documentation, our policies, our processes, um, and then again, our readiness sessions um, in this preparing for the season ahead, particularly in this lovely COVID environment that just doesn't seem to go away. So how we actually um, deliver um, an Ashes season is we all have markets. Um, I look after certain matches, um, but we also have a team that help deliver the, the season as a whole. We have a senior event director um, in our team um, who also looks after Vic, Taz and ACT and has an event manager under her um, assisting in those markets and an event coordinator. Then there are three event directors, um, one based in New South Wales, one based in Queensland and myself, although also based in New South Wales. Um, and we've got some event managers and event coordinators. So we do have to divide and conquer because it is not sustainable for one person to be traipsing around. Um, the country, which is actually what it used to be, but it isn't sustainable and our venue relationships um, have definitely bettered from having key focus points rather than one person jumping around and not being able to nurture those relationships. Okay, the detail. I'm gonna start breaking it down for you and apologies. Um, I know there's questions at the end, but if um, anyone has anything, always feel free to jump in. Um, we touched on reviewing the season that was, um, and the strategy and building our framework for the summer and our people and the resourcing. The next focus for us um, during those initial planning phases is budgeting. Um, 
for each event, we need to do a budget. In our business, we call them match returns. Um, so we have to actually do these for every match. So every, uh, from the test match, from an ODI match, from a T20 match, a tour match, men's or women's, um, we work on our budgets um, and submit them to our finance team for review. Um, we also have another budget for seasonal, which is our, let's say, our non-match related costs. Um, they're more like the travel, accommodation, uniforms, supplies, um, et cetera, that we're gonna need. The budgets we look after are more the match related costs. So these would include things like venue hire fees, police, medical security, customer service, catering, waste management, event staff, traffic management, anything that is related to the match um, as an event cost, they're the budgets that we look after. We then look at that project client and then we develop the department milestone deliverables and set some key dates for us to hit throughout the summer in that planning phase before we break out into the market by market planning. And then, yeah, the functional area planning I have touched on, but we're gonna go into a lot more detail um, uh, on that very soon. So although we have our framework, there are four event directors and we all have different ways of working. Ryan probably knows that we are all very different characters um, and everyone has their different way of doing things. So we like to call it freedom within a framework and then we start breaking it down to our market planning and go off and start working um, with our stakeholders. Uh, when I first started in cricket, I had no idea um, how detailed and intricate the game was. I hadn't probably watched a lot of cricket um, and I swear I actually learned something new about the game every single day. So one of the first things I did was create a bit of a project plan and a whip for me personally to work from and my deadlines um, to capture everything that was operationally required to deliver an international event. It included all, it includes all the functional area requirements, their tasks, the allocation of responsible person, deadlines, days to go, and a status update and commentary of where things are at progress, uh, where things have progressed. Um, this is just a little snippet. Pretty sure it's like two or 300 lines. Um, it has accreditation, event ops, and then all the other functional areas, which we'll start to go into. So it is a big, bit of a beast of a document, but it is my Bible as to how I operate. Um, it's across all matches. On here, you'll be able to see there's Adelaide Oval which and Cairo, which is where we have our women's tour matches, training requirements. I have a bit of a um, documents that I'm trying to think is probably like 20 tabs long, but it's just one place to host everything. Um, but in saying that, the other event directors don't do that. They'll have their own processes. Right. So Katie, is that just for you? Um, that is for me and Laura, my event manager. Um, we work from that. Um, I set it up, I think back in 2018, 19, um, I needed something that everyone else had been working in cricket for years. So I think one of our event directors has been there for 20 years, uh, another one's been there for 15 and another's been there for eight. So as the fresher, I was like, I don't have that cricket background. I need something that captures all these technical requirements that go into delivering a cricket match. And, and did someone else teach you how to build that system somewhere else or did you come up with it? No, I sort of had started to see a few documents um, that had bits and pieces. Um, so I pulled it together for myself in a master document um, and then each year it's developed um, uh, originally I didn't have the days to go um, as a countdown out I just had the set dates but each year just sort of build on it based on key learnings and seeing it, uh, other people's documents um, in my time in sport or in businesses really other businesses as well so it's been gonna a say that's, uh, that's quite I need to get that formula off you I'm not, not, that, not that advanced at Excel I think that's quite a good one Google <laughs> But I can teach yeah. you. I'll send you the snippet. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking though, like, imagine if 
like one thing I've got here is when, you, and we'll go to it at the end, but like for an event coordinator, imagine if you were able to like come up with that template from the get go, how far ahead you'd be instead of just going in blind. Cause like yeah. you, you've obviously developed that over years and years. Yeah. Every you year. Had your own, yeah. Yeah, there's new things I'll add in there that I'll learn from Match and I'm like, right, I need to remember that for next year and I'll add it in. Yeah. I started, I think, six weeks before my first match and was based here in New South Wales. My event coordinator started on the same day, um, so we're both new and there was no handover because there was um, uh, the event director had had her baby early. So there was oh. no one based in Sydney. We were relying on pestering people, phone calls, emails, but also trying to be self-sufficient because everyone else was busy. So, um, yeah, it is my Bible and I'm very happy to where it's gotten to, but it will keep developing every year. Um, okay. The next phase, the match specific planning. So after I sort of create that whip and redo it for the season and align it to all the matches, um, we start to establish a lot of planning meetings. These start with some venue meetings. Um, so we start setting up just with the key venue reps and, um, the event ops team from CA. Um, some meetings to start informing the venue of our initial planning, where we're at, when we're going to start bringing in the wider group, an overview of what we're looking to do, any key changes um, of what we want to roll out at match. We then um, uh, probably start these about four months out from the first match at the venue. After that, we start bringing in the wider group into what we call at cricket the event delivery um, team meetings. They change every year. I think they were event planning group meetings last year, the year before that, team event delivery meetings. We do love an acronym. So if you hear me say EDT, that is an event delivery team meeting. Um, these ones probably start about three months out from that first match. And in these ones, we involve the venue. Plus, we include a representative from all the functional areas. Um, Brian, you've sat in on a few of these in your time. Um, and then we also uh, bring in some state and territory staff that assist us at match um, for example, um, we when we go to Adelaide, there are some SACA staff that help out at match, but we also include um, the SACA membership team. And when we go to Perth, the WACA membership team, because they actually have a large presence at match. I don't know if anyone's ever been to Adelaide Oval. Um, SACA membership actually takes up nearly half the venue. So we bring them in the planning um, just so they're across everything that we're doing, we're across everything that they're doing, and um, we work together. Um, and it's all about communicating with. Um, with our state and territories. We have our security meetings. These are pretty integral. They start about two months out from match. They involve our venue security managers, our venue managers, our, the venue security contractors, the police, um, the, the CA event ops team, so myself and my event manager, and um, the security lead um, from CA. And then there's normally, after that two months out, we do on about 28 days out, day minus 14, day minus seven, and day minus one meeting. On the day minus one meeting, however, both the team, so the Australian and England team security managers were joining that and the match ref um, along with the ICC, which um, they sent out an anti-corruption um, officer out here. Uh, so they join in on those meetings on the day minus one when it runs on site. Catering, you wouldn't believe it, but this is one of the biggest parts of our job. Um, I have never worked in a sport where catering is so integral and we offer so much. Um, it's great because we get to have taste great food on site. But um, the catering meetings, they're probably start um, also set up um, with the venue teams. Uh, they have their F&B um, representatives in it. We also include our hospitality teams. Um, what happens in these meetings is they start planning all the menus um, 
for the season ahead. So for Event Op, we actually look after all team catering. So we get um, the guidelines from the teams and build menus out and work back and forth with the team dietitians and getting them sign off. We look after media and photographer catering, um, radio catering at some venues, staff catering, uh, family catering, and then the hospitality team look after their function spaces. But as part of these meetings, they also work through how we're going to set up each space, what rooms we're using for dining rooms, et cetera, and making sure that they're set, um, whether we're doing buffet food, hot packs, et cetera. So um, it is a bit of a process and, um, yeah, it actually takes up a large chunk of our planning. Another big beast of a document we all use is um, we develop a schedule of accommodation. So this is one of the first things we do um, after we commence these meetings is start building out. Um, the schedule of accommodation after we set up those event delivery team meetings, we're working with our functional areas, we know what they need, we know what spaces um, they need and start allocating rooms at match. So a schedule of accommodation, you might ask what it is. It's a list of all the spaces at the venue and the rooms on site and we start to fill out who's using what space. Um, we start, we have a pretty good base from the um, years before and um, we just look at it, review it, tweak it. Sometimes um, there's different people on site we need to find a room for. Um, we might reallocate um, spaces depending on what's the best use of a space. Um, but for example, these are accreditation entries, um, points, staff working spaces, staff dining, event presentation rooms, performer rooms. Um, stakeholder spaces for any activations for our commercial team, um, where the LED operators are going to go, merch locations. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, press conferences, etc. So one, with this document, once we've fleshed that out, we also build a furniture uh, fit out and equipment list with it. So what we actually want in each space. So the venue know what we want and we also put in when we need it. Um, based on when those people will arrive on site, we need that room set from this date. Um, and then we create what I like to call the pretty version. I'm a very visual person, um, the venue mapping. Um, so that is just working through once we finish this and putting them all onto a map and allocating everyone for uh, a visual purpose, really. Um, this season, in a test year, our biggest headache across, I would say, probably every venue um, in the country is broadcast. With an Ashes year comes three broadcasters. The Australian venues are not built to handle three broadcasters. Um, normally for a test match, traditionally there is two. Um, in a big season, we might get that th third broadcaster. We have a UK broadcast partner that's coming out. Um, Channel 7 and Fox both do the test matches with Fox as the host broadcaster. So we have to find spaces for three broadcasters. This is from what they need in the OB compound, which is the outside broadcast area. Um, they all have grip trucks. They're the large, big trucks. They all have smaller trucks, production trucks. They have about eight sheds that we need to fit in. Then they all want commentary and commentary boxes. They all want studios. They all want hair and makeup spaces. Um, so it, yeah, it's been a bit of a jigsaw um, puzzle. We struggle even with just our dual broadcast, but when we get that third one, it's actually a bit of a headache, but our venues are very good and help find solutions about where we can actually fit everyone in. For example, um, in Adelaide, we are actually having to put a couple of trucks up, so up on the plaza outside the Oval because we just can't fit it all in. And luckily, Tennis Centre next door being really nice and letting us park a few things up against their 
Okay, so this is just, sorry, it's probably a bit blurry, but a snippet of um, the schedule of accommodation, um, which I was just discussing. So as you can see, we look at the space where we're going to put it for a test. This continues on for a T20 because each format is different. Um, there are requirements for a test that aren't required for a T20, particularly the fact that we only have the one broadcaster at a T20 um, for our white ball, which is just Fox. But here's just an example. So you can see media, the media centre, where we're going to put it, what the capacity is, what we need to put in there. Um, it's pretty already set up. It is a media centre already up there, so we don't have to um, add anything in. What we need to display when we want it ready by. Um, so we go through this for every single space within the venue and everything we need. And then what I call the pretty version. Although, sorry, slightly blurry. This one's actually a Perth map. Um, so this is what our media and broadcast facility centres look like over in Perth. Um, and as you can see, um, this is based on having a test and an ODI there this summer, um, as long as they're nice with their borders and we can get across there. Um, our Fox commentary, studios, hair and makeup, UK partners, we have frequency operators, we have Spidercam, we have four radio broadcasters, we have our Cricket Australia digital team, MKTG, who look after all our LED and signage, um, and then the media centre, that's a media overflow. So that's just an example of one of the maps. So there's a document that pretty much every layer of the venue, we do that for with all our spaces um, marked up. So you've heard me talk about the functional areas. These are all the areas I'm going to quickly touch on that we work direct with. Um, they're departments within Cricket Australia. Um, as you can see, we have a touch point with a lot of them and about 80% of those people on the screen you see now, um, those departments and the business units are part of our event delivery team meetings. Okay, so the detail, um, how we plan. So I'm going to go through the functional areas and what we actually do with them because pretty much that is what we do. We work with every functional area to pull together what they need to create that end outcome. Um, these are the business units that we like to say are keeping us aligned and looking forward. I'm going to quickly start on these ones only because they're probably the smaller cogs of our planning. Um, we don't have as much to do with them as the others, but we still have critical touch points with them. Our venue business team, they look after all our venue contracts. So our venue hire agreements, and they know those big beast documents. So if we just need a snippet and we can't find it, we go to them and they'll be able to answer it. Um, they're the gate holders of all the information I would need from, okay, how many parking spaces are Adelaide Oval contractually meant to give me? What spaces are off limits because it's part of the agreement that we don't get? Um, what are the commercial um, agreements and the clean venue agreements? Who's their ticketing provider? What is the ticketing agreement? So that's what we deal with our venue business team. Our government relations team, they are probably wanting a holiday after this, this COVID period. They've been pretty integral at the moment in everything we do. Um, so I'm working really closely with our Adelaide government representative um, on the match over in Adelaide. They have new policies that have been brought in for contact tracing, which is going to impact our game and a few new procedures we're going to have to um, look at and um, how we protect the team um, from getting classified as a, a close contact. Um, so working with them on that, they're working on all the relationship with SA Health with all our border requirements and getting across, although Adelaide opened yesterday. So um, that helps all of us and our staffing um, that needs to go into Adelaide. We work with them on the COVID management plans with our venues. Um, they are our key point um, of contact when it comes to public transport in Adelaide. Um, and getting all the um, requirements we 
with life in that space as well. Uh, infrastructure, we don't necessarily work with them as much, um, but they're more an off-season project. Um, uh, work with them on, they look after lighting programs, infrastructure redevelopments um, with some of our venues. So we'll get involved um, with them a bit more if there was going to be any future upgrades to any of the venues that we can feed into what we would really need um, if we were going to upgrade the venue. WBBL, we only work a little bit with them, um, more so um, on the efficiencies. So I would work closer with the SACA, um, W and WACA, uh, WA Cricket, um, WBBL teams, just on if we're doing things that are similar, let's purchase or hire it together, split costs. Um, this comes from like infrastructure or procurement items we need each summer. And then finance are our eagle eyes on our budgets and keep making sure we aren't overspending. Um, so we work with them. We do a budget about a month out from a match and then again a week out and provide what we're forecasting the, the event's going to cost. Safety. These are the areas that keep us safe. This is how we've grouped them. This, um, uh, this slide and the next slide. Uh, our biosecurity team, as most people probably aware, this did not exist a couple of seasons ago. It's been a whirlwind 18 months. The amount we have learned and the many times we've had to adapt to new protocols and government restrictions we've had to adhere to, um, our biosecurity working group and team um, are our key points of contacts to keep up to date um, with our current markets um, and making sure we're adhering to all protocols, but also our medical protocols signed off by our team for CA set protocol. Um, we also uh, work closely with the medical team in a non-COVID year. Um, we look after booking all, all the match day uh, and training medical bookings. So we work with local providers for training bookings. We work with the venues. Every venue is different, whether we have to book the ambulance or we ask them to or we book direct. We develop medical plans based on medical matrices that um, they, they give us. Uh, we look after the anti-doping side of things and making sure that the media medical protocols at match are followed and making sure the spaces medical um, are set up at venue. Security, other than my event manager, they are my right-hand man. Um, I can say that because it is a man. Um, and my right-hand man um, uh, outside that event manager, uh, we are on site at every match. They are such an integral part of the event planning. We work, in, we work together, we plan and book in security overlay for training sessions. We review match security rosters based on our crowd predictions. Um, we review the field of play security, the gate set up in the security, bag check, bonding, how we're best going to set that up, um, particularly in Adelaide now that it is um, a vaccinated only venue because that adds another layer to, to the ingress um, and we want to try and make it as seamless as possible for all the attendees. Uh, we work them on the team movements and the arrival at venues, establish safe areas for our players, um, work with them on the alcohol management plans, the police presence and their numbers on site and anti-corruption and integrity. Pretty much I'll call them my safety blanket. Um, okay, sorry, I'm going to try and get through this a bit quicker. Uh, these are the other um, key areas keeping us safe. Accreditation, that is access control. So we break it down into players, officials, events, venue, field of play, media, photographers, and broadcasts. Um, we work closely with them because we vet um, anyone coming on site. So anyone that has applied for accreditation to Adelaide or Perth, we sit with the team and say, yay, nay, do they actually need to be on field of play? No, their role doesn't need to be on field of play. Um, so they won't get access um, to that accreditation. Um, our legal integrity, they assist us with all things ambush marketing. So we work with them on anything new in um, government regulations in Adelaide and Perth. Um, 
can they develop guidelines to give us uh, on ambush marketing? Because um, every state is actually different. Um, our critical incident management team is CIMT. We work very closely and do a lot of tabletop um, exercises with them. Um, so that is a key part of planning in the lead up to each season. And risk and safety is pretty self-explanatory. We have a team that we work with on OH&S, risk documentation, safety sign-offs at match. Um, they oversee our event safety management manual, uh, waiver forms, heat and pollution guidelines. And we do a day minus one walk around, um, which you'll see when I give a quick snapshot of a game day to sign everything off. Okay. The experience side of things, what keeps fans and us happy? So starting with our partnerships team, these are all, Again, I keep saying it, probably everyone is the main stakeholder that we work with. We work with the partnerships team um, to deliver all their contractual deliverables um, at match. So we work extremely close with them on their money can't buys, um, which are on-field experiences, behind-the-scene experiences. We have a fair few of them in Adelaide since we're now allowed back on the field of play, which we weren't last season. Um, so we've got a lot of partners that will be facilitating um, this for, but in saying that we'll follow our, our CA COVID protocols to do that, to keep the team safe. Um, but we're pretty excited that things are starting to get a little back to normal um, and we can start delivering these requirements for our partners. Um, we work with them on partner activations. So at the moment I'm working over in Adelaide on um, uh, where we're putting our dead old sanitizer stations, where the Qantas choir um, are going to be. Um, are they going to be on the roof where they have been before in Adelaide? Um, partner express lanes, partner handouts, what's the best location for them. So working through all of that at the moment, um, we work with the team on their signage programs and LED and their contractor MKTG. So we work very closely um, on the bumping side of things of all things signage and also the static, um, sorry, the LED signage, particularly um, behind the site screens. And then hospitality, very similar to the above, um, we work with them on their bump in, bump out, what they need. And they also have money can't buy experiences for um, guests to go down on the field of play. And then ticketing, um, we assist in working with the ticketing on their builds for each event. Every event is actually different. Um, we build a test match differently to a T20 and ODI in terms of our categories. Um, we work with them on what needs to be held for site screens, partners, um, our broadcasts, um, cameras in the stands they'll then produce their ticketing pricing models and maps for all the games um, they lead on our terms and conditions and refund policies um, we work with um, the security side of things for terms and conditions as well and then we liaise with the venue for ticketing on the terms and conditions we work with them on box office timings gate setups um, there's a lot of groups um, the richies are back um, and the barmy army will be on site so we work with our groups team on where these groups are, signing off any musical instruments. The Richies are bringing their trumpets back. Last season, we didn't have musical instruments. So pretty excited to get that atmosphere back in the stadium. So that was probably our product side of the experience. Um, this is what I'd like to say is for more the experience teams. Um, so brand and marketing, we work with them on all their marketing plans, um, particularly assisting in any local area marketing um, plans and contractual deliverables with tourism bodies that they may work with locally. Um, they help us with our branding program and our in-venue IPTVs, so all the TVs that you see in a venue. Um, they work with us on what content um, we're putting out there to promote either partners or um, matches or merchandise. Um, Event Press is one of, or our match day experience team is a big cog in the event delivery team. We're currently working with them um, on their event present, um, on their event pro presentation program for InBowl and 
also their out of bowl program. So when I say out of bowl, um, that this season is the arrivals program. We used to do a lot of face painting um, and inflatables um, with COVID that has all gone away. So we're working with our agency TLA and our match day experience team on this um, ashes uh, arrival program, which is um, this season we're having a big vault, which is eight big panels, um, QR codes telling the history of the ashes. Um, there's a big giant urn that's got a 12 meter base, batting simulators, scorecard handouts, music formers and stilt walkers. All these will sit outside Adelaide Oval on the plaza as people walk in. So what I do is I facilitate, they tell me what they're doing. I look at the plaza, plot everyone out, work with venue on where the power is for if they need power um, and then get it signed off also so they don't impact it ingress or egress um, with the placements where we're putting things. The field of play activity, um, we are back on field. So this will be anthem ceremonies um, uh, and the likes and Qantas choir performances if they're down on the field, uh, the break activity for our partners. We work very closely with them on that program, particularly if there's anything um, we need to get signed off by a grounds team. Uh, post-match presentation, um, if there's a stage getting rolled out, what is the waiting, what are the wheels? So we get that information and work with the venue um, and come back with any red flags of what we can and can't do. And then community cricket, um, they sort of tie into match day experience in our partnerships program. A lot of it is around the Woolworths Cricket Blast program. Um, we get the kids out on field. We have them part of the anthem ceremony, although COVID, um, how we're delivering it this year, um, it's still going to be slightly different because these children are under 12 and not vaccinated. So we are looking at ways we can put them on field, but away from players um, that's been signed off by our medical team to not um, put any risk um, on the team that could impact the whole series. Um, and then some volunteer works. Digital, um, we just need to provide them a space at match. Um, just thought I'd chuck in some experience I've been able to work on with our match day experience team. Um, we built a pool over in Perth um, in season 19-20. Um, this took months of planning um, to pull this together um, with the agency, TLA and um, the Match Day Experience team, all the local authorities. Perth is a different beast. They have all their own rules. Um, so looking at pool safety regulations, pool filtrations, weight loadings, um, the seat removals, the cost to take out all those seats. Um, we worked with the venue on. Um, we did christen it on day minus one with all our stakeholders that um, worked behind the scenes um, on, on it, including the venue, who were very helpful in getting this up and running for us. Um, and just another one with the Match Day Experience team. So we, in 1819, when I was doing New South Wales, we built the very first Pink Village. So our Match Day Experience team takes lead on this with TLA, and I help facilitate it with Centennial Parklands. Um, this one is outside SCG. Um, and the area we use is not within the SCG precinct. So my job was helping facilitate it with the Centennial Park stakeholders. And yeah, we did build it on a car park, which they weren't happy about because then they lost their revenue, but that is part of that relationship management, um, working closely with them to get this up and running. And in the bottom corner was the Field of Flavors Long Drive Ave um, in 1819. Um, the other touch points, um, this is the operations section. We like to say that we are keep, this is a, the areas that are keeping us in the game. We're really closely with our team ops, um, uh, which they're part of the high performance unit um, on training sessions. We work closely with them on the visiting team requirements, all their team requirements at the venue from catering, their arrivals, their parking, all their deliveries, the chain room setups, the family requirements. And then we also have what we call the cricket and match ops team. Um, we actually work with them. They book in our training sessions um, for us 
uh, with the venue and the grounds team based on um, the other bookings um, over in Adelaide or Perth. Uh, field of play operations, they look after all the paperwork, they look after the equipment at match, stumps, balls, towels, they look after the cricket element, so to speak. Um, and then broadcast, another operations team. Um, broadcast, we work very closely with, particularly on a year like this with the Ashes, with all their requirements um, for broadcast and radio. We work with them on their camera plans and what seat kills they need to have in venue and all seat removals. Um, their broadcast OB compounds, where they're going to be doing their on-field and off-field hosting. The frequencies are a big thing with at Nash's year. So we have worked with them on providing them all the right contacts for a broadcast frequency manager to work out everyone's frequency on site. So we don't have any clashes or issues on the day. Our media team um, in the planning phases, we look work with them on media centre and photographers on the field of play, what workspace requirements they have. Um, we always have to look after their numbers to make sure they fit in the spaces, but also for catering. We work with them on press conferences and their locations um, and their media backdrops. Um, technology um, are always a savior at match um, when you have a tech issue. Um, they work with the venue on our vet tech guidelines. So what we have in our venue contracts, a specific requirement of what the venue needs to provide. They are built into these guidelines for each venue. Um, they work with the venue IT to make sure they are ready for us to roll back around and change anything over that may have changed when they were doing the winter codes. Um, and they're our IT support on site at match. Then after doing all of that, we pull everything together. Um, we create um, all the transport stakeholder and public parking plans. Um, we work through the deliveries, master delivery schedules and bumping schedules for the venue. So we pull together another big Excel document beast. Uh, develop some run sheets. We develop event plans and schedule of accommodations, um, all the final versions. We develop event briefs for staff. Um, we work through all room signage and everything we need to display and get it printed. We work through all the attendance on site in terms of whether patrons, public and staff attendance and just look at who's doing what, what roles. If we have gaps, can people help out? And catering, team catering, staff catering, official scorers, media photographers, stakeholder. That we, by doing all of the work, the grunt work with all those functional areas, we can finalise all of this to be ready um, to, for everyone to roll on the site. Um, as you can see, that is just a small section of deliveries for a test match. That is a quarter of the room. The water deliveries are my least favourite and unloading them because there are pallets and pallets of them. Um, but, yeah, it is a key part, um, deliveries, because our venue will turn away deliveries if we don't have things logged correctly. So very quickly, documentation. This is what we pull together with all the functional areas. Documentation is key, we love it. Um, the cred guidelines, risk docs, camera plot maps, OB maps, um, plane condition documents, retail plans, radio sheets, we have radios on site people need to sign out, um, delivery guidelines, induction guidelines for every venue, um, musical policy, musical instrument policies, there is a lot, so I'm not going to go through them all, but you can actually see, um, and this isn't all of them. I just pulled out, I don't know, two thirds of them to fit on the screen. Um, this is also what we create in the lead up to every season before that first match with those functional areas. Um, very quickly, some other external touch points. We touched on the internal venues, so core and everything we do. Relationship management is one of the biggest things I've learned is key to my role. Um, all our supply partners, our agencies, the state and territory associations, visiting teams, we actually deal very closely with the match officials when they come on site 
and then the local government authorities and tourism bodies. Um, we work very close at the moment with WAPOL on everything China work in Perth, Perth and also SAPOL with all these changes over in Adelaide at the moment. Um, I'm going to skip through very quickly. End result. What does a match day look like after all of that? Day minus one. Um, I thought I'd start with very quickly. Um, it's a final bumping day. We have a lot of match day minus one means we have a LED operations and OHS sign off meeting, a broadcast and third umpire meeting, a match referee meeting to sign off everything um, on the field. Um, the site screens, they do a pitch inspection. We take them through everything that's happening at match. Um, they've inspected the balls, they've seen the spare stumps, they've got their paperwork. Um, they tell me when they want the lights on. Um, so we do all of that on day minus one. We have a final security meeting. We have all the partnerships team um, have their commercial and commercial sign off on all things signage, static and digital. And then our match day experience um, team, we get them to sit in with us and run the venues through their program to make sure there's no surprises on the day of what's actually happening out on the field. Um, we also have training sessions that are happening while all of this is happening, um, rehearsals. And then at the end of the day, um, we do do a TED catch up, which is our team event delivery. So all the CA staff and we make sure final venue readiness checks are all done. All the rooms are set up as per what everyone needs. Is there any cleaning that needs to be done that we can flag with the cleaning company beforehand? Um, one thing that has called me out before is the correct flags and the flag protocols that are displayed on the flagpoles at venue checking that all the terms and conditions are up at gates, ready for gates open, all the signage is displayed, analyst feed checks, um, risk and safety walkthroughs, and we sign off on an app we have called iAuditor, um, and all the activations are ready to be set up in the morning. Okay, so on Ashes day one, these are just the match times. Adelaide, we have the lovely day-night test. Um, gates open two and a half hours, which is not normally the case, it's normally two hours, but for this year, it's two and a half hours, um, and it, um, concludes each evening approximately 9.30. Okay, a pre-gates, what does it look like? Um, in Adelaide, um, I've just pulled out some key timings. The venue gets locked down at six, car parks start to open, our cred booth opens, and then traditionally, um, we are the event ops team are the first on site and the last to leave. Um, the broadcast crew are the only other ones probably there as early as we are. Um, it's quite nice, a day-night test, because at a Sydney test, you're probably on site at 5 a.m. because the gates open at 8.30. Um, we do final walkthroughs again in the morning. We do all our catering water and ice checks. We do our um, cleaning checks. IT get on site and start doing their checks. Same with our security manager. Um, by 10 o'clock, we want all our activations set up in the precinct because the road closures are commencing. All the final rehearsals are, done, are happening. Um, at 10.30, we're doing an all-staff TED briefing, which is with all the Cricket Australia staff. And it's literally, we go around, Does everyone is everyone ready for gates open? Um, everyone does some white level inspections and reports anything suspicious. Um, we could do a TV checks, particularly in the change rooms, because um, once the players are in, we don't go in there. So make sure all the TV feeds are set up, public car parts start to open. We do all our final checks, walk around the field of play. There is a rule in cricket about no hard objects um, within four metres of the boundary. So we just go double check that our broadcast partners haven't moved a camera on us or anything like that, and that everything um, adheres to that. Event production are doing their final briefing meetings. Our ambush marketing starts getting implemented. Our scorers and um, match officials, box office com, uh, office opens, final activations checks. Team arrival is about half an hour before gates. It's very approximate because we're still working through all this for Adelaide. And then 15 minutes before gates, I'll head up to the event operations centre for gates open where 
um, security will call gates open and I get the event manager and we have a little um, helper over in Adelaide who will jump into an event coordinator role and get them out at the gates. Um, we make sure we do a final call on the radio, making sure that everyone is ready for gates open. Okay, gates are open. Um, so when gates open, F&B, merch, media centre areas open, catering um, commences in our player areas. We have all the food set for their all-day catering. Um, we do um, a Red Frogs briefing at 12.15. I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with Red Frogs. Um, they are at a test match and they are going out into the crowd. We've got a very different COVID plan for them this year, but they keep people water, sunscreen, Red Frogs, icy poles, um, just looking after wellbeing in the crowd. Um, our match day experience um, team um, get their program kick-started about 15 minutes after gates. Um, it may seem silly to have in there, but staff lunch is very key. So before it gets really busy and the match starts, um, we quickly uh, make sure everyone has been fed. Hospitality starts to open. A coin toss is um, always half an hour um, before the game where you can see we've got the partnerships um, team out there with one of their experience experiences. Um, Field of play is normally clear about 25 minutes before the match starts. We have a Qantas Choir performance, then we have the teams to the field. Um, in my run sheet is very to the T. When teams walk out, it's like to the second. I didn't include that here for you guys, but it is very particular with our broadcast when they actually come out. Um, the umpires, is always umpires first, then fielding and batters, and then that first session commences. Um, during game time, um, we're doing checks. We have... Um, all the activities starting to get ready for the break, the breaks, um, the dinner break activities. So that will be our Woolworths cricket class. Kids are starting to get marshaled. Um, same with some hospitality experience um, on the field of play. Um, catering, they get, as I said, there's lunch, afternoon tea and post-dinner snacks. Um, so we get through, through the first session. There's a drinks break where a Gatorade buggy, I'm not sure if anyone's seen it, comes out in the drinks break and um, on field for the teams. We have the first interval and dinner break. So during this, normally broadcast will get their desks in and off the field into their hosting positions. We have the break activations, boundary walks. Um, we start doing some water drops and water checks um, and then goes again, get through another session. Um, during this, um, some accredited booths and box offices start to close. And then again, third session. So it is a bit of a repeat for us. There's breaks, drinks, breaks, activations in the break times um, but as we get towards the end of the day we start to look at turn to egress and how we're getting everyone out um, so the road closures start and we um, make sure it's safe for egress um, towards the end of the match we do daily um, catering debriefs um, we start to close all the box offices we call final attendance we ask all our staff to do daily reports and then post-match catering is served for the participant group which is the playing and officials group and then it is an end of day's play. So while all this is happening, um, it may look, this isn't the full detail, but the phone is running hot. What I'm there for is any escalation of any issues. People don't have what they need. They need something urgently that wasn't thought of. Um, and it's both from the venue and from everyone on site. So um, key is always to have a portable phone charger because the phone goes flat at least twice a day. Um, and then at the end of the day, if anti-doping are there, um, uh, we can start getting play notifications, field of play interviews. Our programs start to go off air. We have to check in with the teams um, that the ambulances are okay to depart, that they don't need them. We do a security debrief. 
um, uh, on all things um, that evening. So if we need to fix things, um, anything that was happening with crowd behaviour, um, we can implement changes um, for day two. Um, the food and beverage outlets start to cease operation and then what we do that night is actually reset everything. Our hospitality team will start resetting all their spaces. We start resetting, doing water drops again, getting everything ready for a day two. Um, everything shuts up about 11 o'clock at a day-night test match with the media centre closing, teams getting off-site hopefully around that time because we don't tend to leave until they've gone. Um, and then we try and lock down the venue about 11 o'clock when everyone's off-site and then we do it all again. <laughs> it is literally um, very similar but activities change every day so certain things will be reset um, but most matches are like this just depending on their format um, it can change um, it's just shorter breaks so shorter activities but they are all very similar um, in regards to operations top tips early planning get on top of things early when you can project plans timelines and objectives organize your time well um, sound time management skills are essential. Um, fluid and flexible is a key word and pivot for the last 18 months. Um, the amount of times we've had to change things the day before a match or during a match um, would surprise you, but you just got to make it happen and crack on and get things done. Um, whether it's a government regulation or team wants something, um, we're there to make things happen for everybody. Um, assign responsibilities, get people to help out. Um, Get ahead on some contingency planning. Um, core part of my job is problem solving. Communication, I'm probably an over-communicator, but I'd rather bring everyone into the planning and everyone into the loop um, so everyone has the right information and there are no surprises for anyone, anyone when they get on site. Um, learn from every event. Relation management is key, which I've mentioned a couple of times, and attention to detail and being able to multitask. So during that event, let's say we got to a day three and things are going smoothly, I'm sitting in the room working on the next test match. Having Perth and Adelaide, I have two test matches um, and then there's also another seven games after that. So if I can, I'll sit down and actually try and get ahead. But um, sometimes that just doesn't go to plan. Um, one other tip, things will not go to plan. I can tell you that. I have had issues and curveballs thrown at me um, uh, where I've had to put some of those top tips to use. Half the time people don't know any of the issues that I've dealt with on a match day. Um, sometimes they will. Pretty obvious in that first photo, there was a fire out right outside the stadium. That one I couldn't really hide from people. Um, nor in the middle picture there where we had to evacuate a couple of thousand people out of their seats and someone abseiled um, up during the match to cut down a hanging roof panel. Um, yeah, that was one of my first matches. That was not fun. Um, and then over on the other picture, um, this was at a match last year. A sight screen had ripped during a match and we were trying to get it sewn up and it took four or five of us to hold it together so it didn't halt the play um, uh, because with the sight screen flapping, it could have been causing a distraction for the players and the bowlers. So we literally had this person on the ground here who was on call who cycled in to stitch it up between each over while we all held it together. So I can tell you things will go wrong. Um, other than that, I've had ticket scanners fail at gate opens, roller shutters not open at gate open, burst water pipes flooding the car park on the morning of a match day, fire alarms setting off outlets an hour before gates and flooding the concourse, LED outages that caused a big impact to commercial um, teams because we had three 40 degree, 40 degree um, days in a row, um, spider cam getting stuck hanging over a 
players' head, chicken sandwich recalls in venue. Yeah, there's something that'll go wrong, but honestly, um, you learn from it each time. I do have a bit of a joke in my team that I'm a jinx because I swear these things follow me around, um, but I'm a better operator because I've learned from each and every one of those um, issues that have arisen on site. And finally, don't forget to enjoy it, have fun, love what you do and celebrate when you finish, reflect on what you've managed to pull together. Um, I'm very lucky. I love getting up and going to work each day. I love what I do. As much as those issues can um, be testing at the end of a game, I actually just sit there and go, whatever happened, whatever, learn from it. But God, that was fun. And I'm very sorry I went way over. No, I mean, way over seven minutes. I think it's pretty impressive because it's a, it's a fair bit to get through. So I think, hey, we're happy to be here for those seven minutes. But uh, thank you so much, Katie. That was unreal. And just just hearing all the nitty gritty things, like I I thought I was fairly confident in, in knowing all the things that you do. Uh, and that's certainly opened my eyes a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, unreal. But um, I'll throw it open to everyone. We'll still do some questions. We're only a couple of minutes over, so we're all good. Um, so yeah, floor is yours. From a logistics point of view, is there quite a big difference between like a, a night test and a, like your regular regular day test? Uh, not really. They are the same. It's just timings. Um, I must say my first season I did a Sydney, which was the day test. Um, and then I was pretty excited the following season. Um, both Perth and Adelaide were day-night tests. Um, but after doing them, I was like, it's actually the days are just as long. You think you're starting later. Um, but it's literally just everything shifted back. Um, uh, there's a bit more around the lighting side of things, um, but not not too much of a difference really. It's just at what time everyone has to be on site. Everything else pretty much is the same. Yeah, hey, a um, bit more of a personal question rather than events. Um, I noticed you had a fair bit of travel. So you're um, from Sydney originally and you've gone to WA and... Um, are you based in Victoria now? Or are you still in Sydney? Or um, when I did this role last time, I had to move to to Melbourne. Um, but I think COVID has shown ways of working. Um, I'm yeah. based in Sydney, um, and work has said this time around I can do the role from wherever I want. So I don't have to be in Sydney. I could go back to Melbourne if I wanted to be back at head office. Um, but for now, in this season, um, uh, I'll stick to Sydney and then see what I want to do next year. But yeah, there's, yeah. There's, the ways of working have changed. Um, Definitely. We've got our Vic has an ACT team. They're all based down in Victoria, but my event manager is based in Victoria. Um, and last time we did work together, we were um, obviously both in Victoria. Uh, so we found new ways of working, um, particularly not being in, not that many people being in the office in the last year. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, don't know what I'll do next year, but at the moment it still seems to be working, um, being based back in Sydney. Yeah, and, like, when you moved to, like, WA, um, for example, like, were you, did you move to WA before getting that job or was did you move for that job? Like, were you sort of seeking um, an op opportunity interstate or, like, how did that, those sort of opportunities come about? Um, I just wanted a change. I'd been in Sydney for years. Um, I moved to Sydney when I finished school. I'm from a very small country, country town um, yeah. in New South Wales. Um and I had some, some of my brothers were living over there and I literally, um, I'd finished study. I went over to visit one of them for a week and loved the lifestyle. It was like a big country town, relaxed with yeah. amazing beaches. 
and I actually came back and a week later packed up and moved. So it was a bit of a spontaneous move. Um, did some temp work um, over there before I found a job in sport. Um, yeah. But it wasn't necessarily for the job. It was just for a change and to try and crack into it on that side rather than be based in Sydney where I just felt I wanted to get out and do something different for a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. Thank you. Perth is God's country, so I don't blame you, Stannis. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Josh. Hi. Um, I've uh, so you mentioned uh, ambush marketing a few times in your presentation. I've only ever really learned about that from a marketing perspective. So I'm curious uh, how, how um, someone working in events kind of plans to, I suppose, try to block that and and all that so we have a bit of a process at match if um we tend although not many people can travel at the moment um we would normally have one of our legal team on site at match um traditionally it has always sat with them for the last two seasons it it had sat with event ops for any ambush marketing to get reported into um the process would be at match if someone cites any ambush marketing um, they're to call it into our legal lead, um, used to be us, but hopefully um, that person will be actually no, in Adelaide they will be there because they're based in, in Adelaide. Um, they would call it into our, um, our ambush lead on site. They would then um, call it into the security manager and we actually, we can't officially make people move on. So we have to um, report it into the venue and the police and then it's more of an ask to move on. Every state has different leg- legislations as to what you can and can't do. Um, if it's within a certain line, every venue has a line around the precinct, which is part of our hire, falls under our commercial. So we have a right of anything within that line, but anything outside. So at a venue, if it's a block away and it's on a public piece of land, um, we can't necessarily control it. We can um, report it in and then the police take over dealing with it for us. Thanks. No worries. Awesome. I think Jared will give you the last just so we can uh, we can wrap it up. But after you, mate. Perfect. Hey, Caddy, thanks for that. That was awesome insight into your role and what you do. Um, just a question from me. There's absolutely a massive power of work going into like the preparation and the lead up, and then on the day as well. Um, I'm just interested interested to know in what your what, I suppose what's your busiest time, whether it's in the lead up or on the day. Of the, of the um, right now. Um, is my busiest time probably about six weeks out from that first match um, yeah. people start coming out of the woodworks with requirements um, and needs um, particularly at the moment because borders are opening um, there is an influx of interest of partner activity um, at match and the fact that we've now been able to approve activity on the field of play with our medical team um, so that six weeks out is pretty cool um, for us the days are long and um, uh, but I know for me, because it's a key part of my role, summer. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty much from uh, three weeks ago because um, my first match, although I should have had some Sydney matches because I was still doing New South Wales when the women's were here, but they all moved to Queensland. This will be my first match. So it's been the last three weeks and this last three-week period leading into it. And then it's going to be like that until I finish that last match because other than the two test matches, um, I have a couple of tour matches out at Karen Rolton Oval. I have two women's matches at Adelaide Oval. I have a WACA tour match, a WACA men's ODI, and a Sri Lankan T20 still to come after the test matches. So it'll go through this period, but it's normally about six weeks out. Um, everyone always asks, what do you do afterwards? Um, 
have a little break, but then we actually um, review, debrief, and then we start again. Um, that process about six months out, um, start looking at processes, procedures, what we want to achieve. Yeah, thanks for that. Awesome. Um, Stanners, we'll, we'll leave it there, um, but everyone can find you on LinkedIn, I would imagine. Uh, so hopefully uh, everyone can get in touch because I've got another question for you, even though you are in that six-week block, so you're very busy, but um, no, absolutely go and find Stanners on LinkedIn. We'll, um, we'll, we'll just search your name and you'll find her. But um, that's been unreal. So thank you so much for coming in tonight and just the depth of what you spoke about was incredible so um good luck for the the season coming up and uh hopefully we'll we'll get to get we'll go to a match and we'll see it all in action see you in adelaide no thanks cool. for having me guys i'm um, sorry i did have to rush through that last bit um didn't realize how much i'd actually put it to the slide so <laughs> yeah so yeah feel free to reach out with any questions because i did probably rush that last bit so see you later thank guys you. hey guys one last thing before you go if you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the Sportsgrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join. 